Texas Tech's offense put up a stinker in Phoenix as the Red Raiders fell to Gonzaga by 14 on Saturday. But maybe Texas Tech isn't as doomed as it seems. There are definitely a few things that need to change for the team to turn their season around. A look at what that is coming up on today's Locked On Texas Tech. You are Locked On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Texas Tech, a member of the Locked On Network. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. I'm Ryan Mainville. I cover Texas Tech for the Dallas Morning News. I'm joined by my co-host, good friend, and longtime Texas Tech analyst, Emery Lida. Today, we are going to be talking all things Gonzaga. That was obviously the big game this weekend, and there's a lot to take away, even with Texas Tech being shorthanded. But today's episode is brought to you by Sonos. Um, Sonos is the official sponsor of ESPN College Football. Go to Sonos.com to learn more. So, Texas Tech played another big neutral site game. They had Tennessee at MSG earlier in the year. Now they had Gonzaga at the Talking Stick, which is renamed to something else now. I think it's the Footprint Center or something. Um, but obviously, Gonzaga won that game 69-55. to TJ Shannon was in uniform. I expected him to play. He went through warm-ups, and he could, he could just not go. Um, still being labeled as back spasms. I was very surprised to see him play, and the offense definitely suffered without him. Uh, Texas Tech only shot 37.5% from the field. You know, if you want to look at the positives, they only had 12 turnovers, but that might not help as much when Gonzaga only has nine. Texas Tech was minus one on the glass. I think that was a big, a big thing that kept them around in this game. Playmaking, definitely an issue. Only had nine assists on, what is it? I don't... I don't have the amount of field goals made in front of me. It was not a lot, though. I'll tell you that much. Um, but Texas Tech offense definitely looked a little stuck in this game. And I think what you missed from TJ Shannon is something that's kind of emerged from him this season in a way that I did not expect. And that's the aggressiveness and the ball handling. Shannon has gotten to the rim really consistently this season. He's handled the ball really well, and he's created really good shots for his teammates. And in this game, you kind of saw McCuller do that a little bit, um, but it felt like he just kept taking low percentage shots. He was 5 of 15 in this game. Did not have a great game. Kind of felt like he just got stuck at times. Um, didn't didn't play that all that well. Adonis Arms tried to fill that role at times. And, I mean, he had a, he had a solid game. I just don't think that's who you want him to be is that kind of aggressive on ball primary initiator type role but other than that man this box score is a snooze fest for texas tech a lot of guys that struggled a lot of guys that did not kind of step up on the offensive end and a lot of really weird kinks in the rotation i mean you got clarence nadolny playing almost 30 minutes more than davion warren bryson williams playing only 15 i mean it's just there's a lot of weird things here and I'm curious to hear your thoughts, Emory, on if you think that this is just a rough day for Texas Tech or if it's indicative of an issue that they're facing on their entire season. Well, I think, first off, you have to look at the fact that TJ Shannon was out and as well as that Miley Wilson was out. And 
On Shannon's side of things, especially, you mentioned him being aggressive. That's a really critical point that Tech was missing in this game. And I mean, Kevin McCullough can try to be that aggressive playmaker, but he just doesn't quite have the burst that Shannon does. So he can't quite get to the rim as effectively. And when that happens, especially against Gonzaga's length in the inside, he's going to have to force up a lot of mid-range shots. And I feel like that's what you saw a lot of from McCuller. He took a lot of contested mid-range looks, and it just didn't work out for him. I mean, he shot two of seven on those looks, which isn't the worst thing in the world. But certainly, if you're having a primary ball handler that's taking seven mid-range shots and only hitting on two of them, and a lot of those shots were contested, it's not going to be a good day for your offense. I think just beyond that, like the inability to get to the rim and get separation going to the rim was something that plagued Tech all day long. I mean, their most efficient way to get inside looks seemed to be off of post-ups, and that's just not going to be a sustainable form of offense. And so I think that part of it is going to get better with Shannon coming back. I'm not too concerned about them outright not being able to get to the rim because Shannon's easily the best player on this roster in terms of just putting pressure on the rim, getting good looks inside, and kind of creating his own shot down there. But still, you're going to have a void when it comes to ball handler, and that's something that's plagued Tech all, and I think it kind of reared its ugly head in the Gonzaga game because even though people be attracted to the low shooting numbers and the shots from the outside that weren't good, but the reality is a lot of that came from the fact that there's just a complete inability to get to the rim effectively and guys weren't able to create their own shot. And even more so than that, they weren't able to get those open cookout, open kickouts and generate looks from the perimeter. So just kind of stagnated. And I mean, some of it's going to get better with Shannon. I think missing him was huge, but it's certainly not something you want to have going forward. Man, Emery must be hungry. He let out a, a cookout slip out there, man. We don't have any of those in uh, Texas, but on the East Coast, cookout cookout is the move, man. You, you can where well, you can like pick three. Speaking of three, man, Gonzaga was knocking down threes in this game. They shot thirty-one of them and they made thirteen, which was a season high for them. Um, as I was watching this game, every single time Rasier Bolton got the ball, I I just looked away. I knew he was gonna make it. Him and Nimhard, who played all forty minutes in this game. Combined to shoot 9 of 18 from deep, which, I mean, neither of them have been great. Bolton's been better this year. I think he was shooting in the low 40s before he came into this game. So, a decent mark, but you definitely did not expect this kind of performance from them. Texas Tech played really, really well down low um, to hold Drew Timmy to, I think it was, 7 points on 2 made shots. And then Chet had 5 points, so you were able to limit one of the best front courts in the nation, arguably the best front court in the nation, to just 12 combined points. That's a huge, huge win for Texas Tech. But then you look at the three-point defense. This has been an issue for the team all season, and in this game, it it pretty much cost you the game. Um, the way you were able to limit shots down low kept you in it, and then open shots just kept happening from deep. I mean, Gonzaga shot almost 42% from deep that just can't happen and I think we're at a point now where I'm not willing to say this is a massive concern for Texas Tech like I don't think it's the biggest issue facing the team but they've got to figure this out and they've got to figure it out quick because their offense has shown that they're not going to be a great three-point shooting team Um, I think that was a struggle that could have been projected in the preseason and now with Buzo and Calhoun both seeming to be out of the lineup, that's just going to decrease even more. 
And so if you're not making threes, you can't be giving your opponents threes, at least not easy ones like Texas Tech was giving up on Saturday. So I think this is an area that they really, really need to improve in because teams like Baylor and Kansas, who are going to demand respect inside, are going to win games easily if you cannot figure out how to tighten up on the perimeter. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, some of this is just positive regression for Gonzaga. I mean, Andrew Nimhard's a career 32% three-point shooter, and he was hitting off the dribble looks in that game. And I don't feel like that's really his game. So you're okay with him hitting those. But then on Bolton's, then, I mean, you allowed quite a few uncontested threes for Razier Bolton. I mean, I just feel like part of it was the game plan. You want to really collapse guys inside and make Timmy and Holmgren have to work for their inside points. And Tech did a good job of that, really jittering pressure, but they didn't get good amounts of pressure on the perimeter and they weren't closing out fast enough. And I think some of that's a personnel issue when you don't have TJ Shannon and you don't have Malik Wilson. I think those are the two best off-ball defenders on this roster. Certainly we saw the impact Shannon made when he came back from his first four games or his first three game absence and how it really shored up the defensive rotations. But I mean, that is something Tech's going to have to work, work on. I think it was a little bit exaggerated by Gonzaga just having a really good day but also I mean you have to improve on that or else you're going to get shot out yeah I think Shannon's a really key point I think that's that's a big reason why Texas Tech looked so negative in this game is just because they were without one of their veteran leaders and I think that's why Clarence Nadolny played so many minutes Um, I think he his expertise and his experience on this defense was needed and so I think that's why you brought him in but again Things will get better with Shannon back in the lineup. I'm confident of that. But this team, it just feels like they've got work to do on this end. And they've got, I think it's two more games left. Um, Arkansas State and Eastern Washington before Big 12 play gets started. So they've got two chances to sort it out. And and we'll see, man. I hope that it turns around for Texas Tech because I don't think they want to play very many games the way they played this one. But coming up next... We'll discuss Texas Tech's two big man lineup and if it's as big of an issue as it seems. For the first time in four years, bowl season is finally here. Once again, Texas Tech fans, and I've been telling you about prize picks. So if you still haven't signed up, what are you waiting for? In addition to the college football action, prize picks makes college basketball more exciting. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. As a leader in college sports daily fantasy, Prize Picks offers more college football and basketball props than anyone in the world, offering all the star players of the Power Five as well as mid-major basketball players you may have never heard of. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of. For example, in basketball, you can play points, rebounds, assists, threes made, and so much more. All users that deposit and use promo code Locked On will receive a full instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Just be sure to use promo code Locked On. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize Picks also allows mixed sport entries, so you can take the over on a football player combined with the under on a basketball player in the same entry. So you can use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play or head to the mobile website today. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals, so don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code locked on or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made 
easy. Thanks again for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Make sure to listen to the Ultimate College Football Playoff Preview for 2021. There's local experts, there's betting advice, and there's draft analysis. It's the most comprehensive college football playoff preview, and it began last Friday. So I know a lot of people were interested in the two big man lineup after what Gonzaga did to Texas Tech on Saturday, because while Texas Tech was able to limit the interior with this lineup, they definitely suffered on the perimeter, as we've already noted. And the lineups that have looked especially bad have involved Bryson Williams and Marcus Santos Silva. I tweeted out a screenshot of a stat from evanmaya.com who just does fantastic work make sure you go check out his stuff and it showed bryson williams and marcus santo silva were the worst two-man lineup in the big 12 and by probably about 40 points per 100 possessions they were i think like negative 50 in adjusted efficiency so that really really sucks um and i will say the sample size on this is smaller then on certain things, I believe that I think Marcus Santos Silva and Bryson Williams had played about 100 possessions together. And I think Texas Tech as a team has played somewhere around 500 from what I've seen on Evan's site. So you're talking about 20% of the team's minutes. So not a huge chunk, but it's enough for you to be like, this is a problem. And I think that this lineup is indicative of an issue that Texas Tech has. And that's that these, these big men that are not particularly mobile on the perimeter are getting Texas Tech into trouble, especially defensively, because where that Bryson Williams and Marcus Santos Silva lineup tanks is on the defensive end. They are av- they're allowing like 141 points per 100 possessions when they're on the floor together, which is just terrible. And I think what you're having to do now is kind of reevaluate how you want to get these guys into the rotation. Bryson Williams was probably Texas Tech's best player through the first six games of the season and has just hit a wall. He has not looked good against top-level competition. He's not making shots on the offensive end. And he is, I mean, he is losing his spot in the rotation. We're watching it happen. We're watching Daniel Bacho play more minutes than him. And that's because Bacho is more mobile. Bacho is able to keep up with guys like like Chet, man, he was banging around Chet on the offensive end on Saturday. I loved that. I was rewatching that game today, and that just blew me away, the way he worked down there. But defensively, is a guy that can move. Williams, not so much. Santos Silva, not so much. O'Banner's there. It feels like O'Banner's just kind of like hanging out on defense sometimes. He, he's just kind of existing. Um, and then obviously, I mean, offensively, when you're not making shots, it's just hard to justify these guys being put in the lineup. But Emery, I know that you are the stat wizard. Am I just making a big deal out of a small sample size, or is there reason to be concerned with Texas Tech's too big lineup? No, you're really not, to be honest, because I looked at the three-man lineups today, kind of extending a little bit beyond the two-man lineups. And each of these three-man lineups had at least 30 possessions, I believe. So again, I believe Tech has a total of 660-ish possessions this year if my calculations were correct and just looking at every single lineup and of those six of the worst lineups that had three man 
lineups, all of them included Marcus Santos Silva, and four of those six included Bryson Williams. And I don't necessarily think that that's on its own enough to justify knocking them out of the rotation. But if you combine it with the film, it checks out in that those guys, when they get put onto the court against teams that have the personnel to really attack tech, what they're doing is they're essentially hunting out those guys, getting them onto switches, putting them in situations where they're close out on the three-point line. And it's just simply not working. I mean, the two men, the two big lineup works okay with O'Banner and Bacho. They have some good stats there looking at the lineup stats. In fact, two of Tech's best lineups include both O'Banner and Bacho. So it's not necessarily the two big lineup, but when you run Williams and Marcus Santos Silva together, it really makes things difficult because those are two guys, they're probably the two slowest footed bigs on the on the within the lineup and within the rotation. And beyond that, they also have probably the most limited offensive game as well, just in terms of their perimeter ability. I think Williams obviously is a better offensive talent than Bacho is, but in terms of kind of his ability to stretch the court and his decision-making, I mean, he can't really fit in a lower usage role like Bacho or like even Santos Silva can, and that makes it very difficult to place him. So, I mean, you have to make some tweaks here. I mean, Bryson Williams has shot four of 21 on two point shots against top 100 teams that that's ridiculous for a big and it's nothing against him as a player I think he can be a good player but right now he's being a pretty bit of on offense just because he's kind of missing open guys and he's not hitting the shots that he usually hits and then defensively teams are just attacking him and that that's just not ideal and so it's something where if you're going to keep running the two big lineup, I think it has to be with O'Banner and Bacho, and that's going to make it to where Bryson Williams, you're going to have to really kind of cut down on his minutes until he can prove that he can kind of play within those bigger lineups and be a net positive on the offensive end. Yeah, it's just getting really difficult to see Bryson Williams continuing to play at a high usage role if his offense continues to struggle like this. I mean, we've seen what he can do. He is a great offensive player. It just feels like he's in a little bit of a slump right now. I mean, he played 15 minutes on Saturday, and he took 10 shots, and he was 2 for 10. I mean, that that is not a great way to secure your spot in the rotation is to go 2 for 10 on all looks pretty much from the paint and and make two of them. I mean, just with what he does defensively, it's just hard to justify. And so I think you're really facing a decision here. If you're Mark Adams, and what do you do with your lineup? Um, do you start putting Daniel Bacho in the starting five? Um, I think that that's a little bit more of, like, I think people really want that because people really like Daniel Bacho. I think that's why people want, want him in the starting five. I think that's a little bit more theatrical than then it really needs to be. Um, what needs to happen is Daniel Boccio needs to start playing more minutes and Bryson Williams needs to start playing less. And I don't really care who starts, who comes off the bench. Mark Adams doesn't care. The players don't care. It, it's just for a graphic. Like, that's literally what starting fives are for. These guys play really short bursts. It, it does not matter. But Daniel Boccio does need to continue to see an increased role this season, I think, especially in games whenever you're talking about a guy like like David McCormick, uh, JTT, Flo Thamba, Dylan Dis Disu, like the Big 12's got 
it's got big dudes that can move. And if Bryson Williams is continuing to not make shots and he's still struggling like this on the defensive end, man, it, it's going to be tough. It, it's going to be tough. But interested to see what Mark Adams will do. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about where can Texas Tech go from here? What are ways that they can improve as conference play looms just about two weeks away? Bet Online has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. It's built bar. It's filled with so much holiday goodness, rich and decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat while staying high in protein. You truly get the best of both worlds. It is delicious and healthy. There's so many flavors you're going to have a hard time choosing. Will you have raspberry or mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie, Built Bar is going to give you the extra energy you need this holiday season. So tell Santa to throw a few Built Bars in those stockings. With so many flavors, they'd make anyone's Christmas morning a happy one. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. That's Built.com, promo code LOCKED15, to get 15% off your order. All right, we're 10 games into Texas Tech season. Learned a lot. There's been some struggles, been some weak points, but there's also been some encouraging signs. Emery, man, what what are your takeaways? Ten games in, what have you seen? What do you like? What needs to change? I think Daniel Boccio is the greatest basketball player on earth right now. I think that's the number one takeaway from the start of the season. But seriously, I mean, you have to start with Boccio. He's been really the most welcome surprise out of anyone through 10 games in Tech's rotation. I mean, he's playing himself into consideration for a starting lineup position. And while I think it, like you mentioned, it's mostly theatrics at this point. I mean, same thing with TJ Shannon last year. He was a six man, basically played starting minutes the entire year. So it was kind of useless to refer to him as coming off the bench. But anyways, Bacho being kind of a main presence, something that certainly surprised me I think beyond that the ball handling the ball handling is something that's been a bit of a weakness and a concern certainly Kevin McCullers had his moments as a primary ball handler but I feel like his lack of burst and kind of maybe not the most natural playmaker or driver makes it difficult for him to be a really effective primary ball handler and beyond that I mean I think Adonis Arms at times can be in that sort of role but he's a little bit too chaotic to really consistently be a ball handler sort of similar thing goes for Davion Warren I think in spurts he can be a really efficient ball handler but he's just not got the experience as a playmaker yet and then 
I mean, then you have guys like Malik Wilson, who is probably the best pure point guard on the roster, but still maybe not quite the natural scorer. And TJ Shannon doesn't have the playmaking that you would expect for someone to be an outright effective ball handler. So you've kind of got to mix and match the pieces there. I think that's something still to be figured out in conference play. And then I think the three-point defense and the three-point offense has been something. The shooting on offense has been about what we expected, especially with no Buzo and no Sodar Calhoun in the lineup. It makes it difficult to really have good spacing. So, I mean, you're kind of treading water about what you expected there. But on the defensive end, I think the three-point defense and rotations is something that needs to be cleaned up a little bit still. And, I mean, in general, this team is in a decent spot. I think there are things that, to work on. I think the couple limitations that you have is on offense, maybe not the shooting and the ball handling, which is pretty important, but it's something that you're a little bit limited in. Um, and then defensively, I think at times you can lack a rim protector when Bacho isn't on the court, as well as when you're trying to run the two big lineup sometimes. You don't quite have the speed to get out to the perimeter. But this team has the personnel. Mark Adams has done a pretty good job of getting everyone sorted so far, and I think we're making adjustments on the rotation. So there's a lot to like, even if there's still stuff to work on. Yeah, surprises have definitely been Bacho. Um, just playing at a high level, no matter who the competition is, he's he's going to be an integral part to this team, which I never would have guessed. Adonis Arms has been a big surprise for me. Um, especially considering just kind of what I was hearing out of camp sounded like he was kind of like all over the place, kind of struggling to figure out where he fit in, which does happen on the court sometimes, but he's been a really good, a really good player, especially on the defensive end. I think Texas tech has needed him at times this season and he's filled that role. Well, um, not surprises. Like you mentioned, three point offense is not great to this point. Um, Three-point defense has been a surprise because it's been a lot worse than I would have expected from a Mark Adams team, but I think a lot of that has to do with communication and chemistry, and those things are going to come with time. I know it doesn't feel like it, but it will. I'm confident that Texas Tech will be playing better three-point defense in February than they are right now. Might be ugly for a few games here and there, but it's going to get better. Um, and then primary ball handler issues on offense. I was a little bit higher on Miley Wilson in the preseason than maybe I should have been, not to say he's been a bad player. Obviously, he's hurt right now. It just feels like he hasn't really been able to be the lead initiator. He's played really, really well in a secondary playmaker role, and I think a lot of people are discarding his performance this season, which just feels really reckless and foolish to me. I think he has been one of the best initiators and and playmakers on this Texas Tech team and he's played a very vital role I was a little bit more hesitant on Kevin McCuller playing PG than a lot of other people and that's kind of been the case what I've seen is that like maybe that hesitation was a little good I think he's been a lot better of a ball handler than he was last season he's been really good at getting to the rim but in terms of playmaking and shot creating hasn't felt like that's really come to fruition yet so I mean, if if you're Texas Tech, you're looking at your team and you're and you're seeing you've got deficits and weaknesses in areas that you knew you were going to have weaknesses. I mean, Mark Adams talked about it publicly in the preseason that he was a little bit worried about his point guard situation. He was still looking for a point guard, and I I think you still are ten games in. I think you're still looking for a guy that can run this offense and get you get your offense moving. Um, and I do think that Terrence Shannon plays a big part in that. That's something I'm really watching 
as Big 12 play just continues to creep closer is getting Shannon involved more and more in primary ball handler minutes, letting him run the offense a little bit, letting him run pick and rolls. I know that that's something Texas Tech has done a lot of this season. Something I'd like for them to do is set more screens on his left. Feels like Texas Tech is always trying to get into the middle on offense, but when you're not setting screens for Shannon on his left, he can't drive left. He's a left-handed player. That's not a great combination. So would like to see more of that. I think that'll also create more looks in the corner, but that's kind of the one thing that I want to see get addressed in these next two games. And man, I don't even know if he'll play, honestly, because you don't need him for these next two games. Um, so maybe he'll rest for before Big 12 play. But if he's playing, that that's definitely the one thing that I want to see before the Red Raiders get the ball rolling. Yeah, I think Shannon's development as a playmaker has been a really welcome one this season. I mean, his passing has really improved, in my opinion, his vision. He's had a few really nice corner skip passes, and he's also generally had his head up more on drives, which is something he struggled with his first couple of years. I feel like that's something that with more reps, he can really continue to improve. So I'd like to see more of him as a ball handler. Um, again, you mentioned setting screens to his left. I think that's something that I've noticed as well. And I think in general, the tendency for Tech to run their offense through the middle uh, seems to kind of transcend whichever ball handler they're running with. And I feel like they could do well to put guys in better better spots. I noticed against Gonzaga, they did quite a bit of posting up with Davion Warren at times in the first half. And that seemed to be something that kind of took him back to his Hampton days. Because um, I noticed that's something Hampton did a lot with him was kind of posting him up sort of from high block area and kind of letting him just go to work in that sense, not necessarily as a pure post score, but just in the sense that it allows his quickness to really take form. So just in general, getting ball handlers into good situations is something. And then as well as that, I'm interested to see how Mark Adams handles Clarence Ndoni going forward, because I feel like the Gonzaga game really sort of opens my eyes on how they've used him so far this season as he really hasn't been in the rotation. But against Gonzaga, I don't know if it was just because TJ Shannon was out or it was a matchup-specific thing, but him playing 29 minutes, I felt like actually helped out Tech in a sense because offensively, you know, at this point, he's not got the best arsenal. He's not really a efficient ball handler. He's not explosive enough to really create his own shot. He's not a good shooter. But defensively, man, I mean, he can bring the intensity, get in anyone's head. I mean – he played good defense on Nimhard. He played on Bolton at times. He was a good rotational defender. And I feel like the communication always seems to be better when he's out there. So we'll see how he plays. Hopefully we can see a little bit of Buzo in these next few games. Maybe see him reinsert himself a little bit. And then lastly, just continue to watch how Baccio evolves. I mean, the man's already surprised us so much and has played really well and genuinely looked like one of the best players for Tech. And I mean... If he can continue this, I think he makes the team better. And I think if you can run lineups with him where he's playing 25 to 30 minutes a night, you have a good chance to win because he's such an efficient rim protector. Offensively, it feels like he's more comfortable now than he was a few games ago, just kind of getting within the flow of the offense, making good cuts, working as a screener. Those are things that he's improved on. And I mean, I think the more he gets kind of immersed within this team, the more success I think Tech is going to have. Definitely a lot of positives, and I, I don't think I said this at all throughout this episode, but just want to clarify, this is not a bad loss for Texas Tech. This is one of the best teams in the nation that they just lost to. 
they were able to limit one of the best scores in college basketball at, at a position where they're not particularly strong at defensively. And they, they did it without their best player. Not a bad loss. There, there's obviously a lot they could have done better, a lot they could have done to put themselves in a better position to win, but it's not a bad loss. I, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's as such thing as a good loss, but this was not a bad loss. Texas Tech learned a lot about themselves and against the number five team in the nation, I think that's pretty much what you can ask for. So thank you for joining us this Monday to recap this Gonzaga loss. We will be back tomorrow talking a little Texas Tech football heading over to the turf. We're going to be looking at Joey McGuire's staff. Going to be talking about big old Cade Briggs who just committed to the Red Raiders. And we're also going to be um, just breaking down what, what that means for Texas Tech because offensive line where they needed depth and they've got some. But thanks for joining us. If you want to keep up with us whenever you're not listening to us on the airwaves, you can follow me on Twitter at LBK. You can follow Emery at Eraser41 and follow our official Texas Locked On Texas Tech Twitter account at Locked On TTU. Be sure to subscribe to our feeds. Leave us a review wherever you can. I'm serious. It helps us so much. Um, it, it gets our podcast in front of more people. And as we are in just continuing to enter this very exciting season with Locked On, that is what we want. We want to grow our audience. And we just appreciate you joining us every day to listen to us talk about Daniel Bacho. We are going to continue to do it every weekday. So thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms, just like us. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you tomorrow.